Welcome to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church Podcast. We hope this message encourages you, challenges you, and inspires you to step into the life God has for you. For more information about our church, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com. Well, good morning, church. My name is Stephen, and I have the honor and privilege of being one of the pastors here on staff. We are so delighted you are with us this morning. I wanna introduce you guys to a dear friend of mine. This is Luke Burleson. Everybody say, hi, Luke. Luke. Thank you guys for participating. That was awesome. All right, um, Luke has been coming to this church kind of his whole life. He has grown up here and, but was not super active until, well, something transformed about two and a half years ago. And since then, Luke has been an unbelievable leader in our student ministry and has made a great and tremendous impact wherever he goes. So I want to uh, have Luke share his story with you about his calling to ministry and what that has kind of how that's transformed his life and what it's meant to him. So Luke, please share us your story of your calling. Well, um, my calling started about two to three years ago, whenever I started coming and I got a simple invite from a couple of friends who invited me on this trip to Gatlinburg with this youth. And little did I know that this trip would flip my world upside down. It would make this whole Christianity thing real to me that I had to take this serious. Well, upon this trip, I didn't really know what my next step would be after this. I didn't know where to go or where it would look like or where exactly God wanted me. The only thing I knew after this trip was that I wanted to be with God no matter where it was or whatever it looked like. But then I remembered that all the kids had talked about on this trip were these legendary memories of this camp. And it's called a Victory Mountain Camp. And I knew from there out that that was my next step. That was where I was meant to go to find this path that would lead me to where I'm at today. Um, Well, my first year at camp wasn't exactly a normal experience. My first year at camp was as a counselor for the middle schoolers. And, you know, that was, yeah. Um, (laughs) But with my first year at camp, it was very, it was very exciting. I learned a lot, but I didn't know where, where I was going or what it meant. I was very uncomfortable when I was there. It put me in positions that I didn't know what they were saying to me or what they meant. But I know that within me, it was meant to be somehow that that was where I was going with my life. Upon that, as I went into the second week, which was high school camp, I began to acknowledge this, but I didn't pursue it or confront it. It just sat in the back of my mind, poking, nudging me, saying, go, do this. But I, I didn't want to jump out. I wanted to be safe and stand back and watch it from afar. But after this, I knew that I had to, I had to go after it because before camp, I had always been called to lead, but I didn't know what the bigger picture in that was. I didn't know what that really meant. I knew that Whatever I'd been in, whether it had been sports or school or whatever atmosphere I'd been put in, I'd always stepped up and led in some way, somehow. But I didn't know the bigger picture or puzzle behind it. Mm-hmm. So Tell us that week. Yeah. yeah Tell so us that week what kind of unfolded. So from there out, um, I knew I couldn't deny it any longer. I knew that as high school camp happened, there were a couple things that tipped the scales for me. The first thing being, within the first couple of nights, uh, one kid stood up and gave his life to Jesus. And... This broke barriers within me that I had no clue were, were set in me that I could just go forward from there. Another thing that really tipped the scales for me was scripture. I used to not think about scripture as being an important thing. I used to just think of it as a story that was on a page that 
people told and said it could change your life. But at camp, as Brian C., who the speaker was, uh, poured out and filled our hearts with scripture, it started to stand out to me. It started to speak to me, say, say what it wanted me to do. And that was ministry. And as scripture began to poke at me and keep at me that week, I became curious and began to ask a lot of questions to Stephen and Richard. And as that happened, I, Richard let me in on a little bit of insight of his story and where he went and how that went. And that gave me a perspective of what maybe I could do in my calling or where I could take that and what struggles I might handle or might come my way or how I could just go about that calling. And that brings me to today where I'm picking up my cross every single day and walking out through, through this faithfully. Beautiful. What a journey of God bringing people alongside you and capturing that. Well, tell us, um, how have you grown? What kind of steps have you taken in that calling since then? Well, at first in my calling, I was like, uh, I just heard no, like, no, that is, you can't do that. You're not prepared. You don't know enough. You'll never be good enough. You're, you're bad. Like there's, this person is always better. There's always someone better than you. That's what I was, that was always in the back of my head. But through growth, I've realized that I have to toss off the lies from the devil that hinder me from this calling, that I've made a commitment that no matter what wall or object may get in my way, that I will persevere with the people around me and with God, that I can just get through that and keep going. Through growth, I've realized that I can't run from this calling any longer. Good. Um, now, what are the, some of the things you said that's brought you to here and now and what you're doing? So how is this playing out? How is this call currently playing out in your life? In my life, I would say it's crucial for me to step back in my own shoes and just realize what's happening to put my priorities into perspective and make sure that what I prioritize is furthering the kingdom of Christ or bringing fruit to my life or the life around me. If I had to put my calling into a couple of words as of right now, I would say it's discipline, dedication, hard work, and a massive amount of patience. <laughs> All right, so patience. So what is what you've been learning? What a, what's something you know, you've been learning as God's given you patience to learn? What have you been learning in this process? So starting this calling about two to three years ago, there's been so many things that I've learned and I wish I could sit here and tell you all of them, but to pick out a couple, I would say, firstly, I've learned that experience plays an astounding role in this calling, that this past summer we went to Arizona as a youth group and there were a ton of different things there, the culture, communication, finding common ground, and just making a relationship with the kids. First couple of days, I thought it was hopeless. I thought that it was gonna be impossible, that it was very challenging for me. But as I went about, I realized that through learning and experience of other situations that I've been through that I can handle this, and through faithfulness and obedience with God, that he guided me to become really good with the kids and they gain, to gain their trust. Um, Another thing that I've learned in this is that my calling or any calling that I've ever come about is never instantaneous. It's never been an instant thing. I've, at first I thought I could just snap my fingers and that it would instantly happen. I was like, oh, I can, you know, I can just go into ministry, bam, it's done, you know. But through, the pro through all of it, I've learned that it is a process, that it takes time and patience. Another big thing that I've learned is that you have to make sacrifice. Sacrifice can mean different things to different people. 
For me, it can have so much value in my life or so much hold on me as a person, but in all reality, it can mean less because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He died for me and every single one of us that if we can't make sacrifice and set our foundation upon, upon Jesus, then what, is, what am I doing? You know, Am I feeling, fulfilling this purpose, which is my calling? And finally, the biggest thing that I've learned throughout this whole journey over these past couple of years is that with my calling, it is no longer a need, or it's no longer a want. It is a need. I have to do it, that I can no longer run from this calling any longer. Mm. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Hey, awesome. Can you guys give Luke a round of applause? So proud of you, man. Proud of you, buddy. Like I said, Luke has been a pivotal part of transforming our culture and our community, transforming people's lives. The Lord just using him in tremendous ways at his school. And uh, it became, it came down to his yes to this calling. And Luke has said yes to a vocational call to ministry. Yes to being a pastor or a youth pastor. That's what his call was. And we use this word calling it's kind of a weird term. We're like, what in the world does that mean? Like this kind of Christianese type word. Uh, I remember in my teen years going to youth conventions. Anybody been to one of those youth conventions, like thousands of teenagers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe you've been to a Wesleyan one. Uh, every four years when I, was, when I was a teen, every four years we'd gather with students from all over the country, thousands, like 10,000 students from all over the country for these rallies and these conventions. And uh, inevitably, there would always be one night, one particular focus on a call to ministry. So somebody like a Dr. Jim Dunn at that point would come up and he would give the sermon and teach about calling and God's call in our lives. And then at the end of it, there would typically be this response where hundreds of students would come forward and say, yes, I'm called to ministry. I'm called to be a youth pastor or a children's pastor. I'm called to uh, be a church planter or a worship leader, whatever it may be. And it was really, really powerful. Some of those times were times of uh, uh, just confirmation for me and my calling as being a youth pastor. But then there was also this other side where there were thousands of students who were like, well, what about me? Do I have a calling? Is my job as a teacher gonna be less than? I remember having conversations with now my wife, Kelly, at that point, just dating, and we'd have these conversations like, hey, I know that God has called me to be a teacher, and I'm gonna use that to impact his kingdom and further his plans and purposes here on earth. And I remember having these conversations but then eventually somebody came forward by the name of Jeremy Kingsley. Jeremy Kingsley would then come and he would introduce all of us to this guy named Jack the Roofer. Jack the Roofer was called by God to be a roofer. And he used his roofing business and he used his relationships with clients and introductions with people that he did business with to introduce them to Jesus and his story of transformation and how God used him in his vocation to do ministry. It was a deeper calling to something greater, something more meaningful with a different purpose and a deep, deeper mission than just being a roofer. What if God's call on our life was a platform for ministry of a greater purpose? Luke's is a vocational call to ministry. 
like a pastor or a youth pastor. And those are very special, special things. That is kind of my story as well. There's a unique specialty and impact in that, but there's also, but don't get me wrong here, I do believe with all my heart that there, every single believer has a call on their life to do ministry. That it's not just me and it's not just Luke and it's not just Pastor Luke and it's not just Pastor Jason. Every believer who is called by God, every believer who steps out in faith is called to do ministry. And this can mean many things for many people. It could be anything under the sun. It could be a pastor. It could be serving as a member of a congressman. It could be a fireman. It could be a teacher. It could be a stay-at-home mom. But the matter is, it's a change of perspective in our mission, a reorientation of our purpose. I remember in a time when Kelly and I were struggling with what is our calling taking us and what do we have next for our lives, I took a backpacking ministry or a backpacking trip with about 10 students. And we were up in the Linville Gorge. It's around Morganton. If you've ever been there, go. It's amazing, beautiful. They call it the Grand Canyon of the East. So I'm on this three-day backpacking trip with students and we're at the top of this mountain. And uh, I decide that I'm gonna get up early the next morning and watch the sun rise and just kind of have this intimate time with the Lord. It's early March and it was quite miserable. Uh, it was cold, it was damp, and it was dark. And I remember sitting on top of this mountain, like what in the world am I doing? I'm freezing my tail off, I'm cold. Like I'm just gonna crawl back into my sleeping bag, forget this. And up over the mountain peaks the sun. And as the sun rises, in a few moments, it begins to bring warmth to me. In a few moments, it illuminates the entire valley. And in a few moments, what my weariness, my worry, all simply just kind of melts away. And I'm basking in the warmth of the sun, pure hope, pure joy, just from this sunrise pure illumination. And it hit me in that moment that I understood my calling in the simplest and most profound terms, to shine. Our calling as believers is to shine. Whether that be a vocational call to ministry or a call as a teacher or as a call as a fireman or as a call, whatever it may be, it is to shine all of us. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. John 15, 14 through 16, you, Jesus says, are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden and neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's not just intended for me. That's not just intended for Luke. That's not just intended for the missionary or the evangelist or the church planner. That is intended for you. To shine, that is your calling, the general calling of every believer. I teach our leaders in our student ministry. They have answered this call to a general call of ministry. And I teach them this phrase, you are the youth pastor. You guys are. Your small group, 
God is equipping you and leading you to be their youth pastor. And my hope and my prayer is that those students who are in their small group become so close to them and become so tied to them that they actually go to the small group leaders instead of me because they're the ministers in that context. They are the youth pastors. They understand this and they've answered this call to be a general, this general call to say, yes, Lord, I will go and do ministry here in this church and in this community. And we have people who have vocations other than a pastor. We have carpenters and firemen, police officers, painters, business owners, stay-at-home moms, teachers, childcare workers, landscapers, who have all said yes to this call to do ministry of a greater and deeper purpose than just what they do. They know that the command that Jesus says to go and make disciples of all nations is not just meant for me, it's meant for them too. And so they carry out this call in ministry here, impacting students' lives, but they also have answered the specific call in their specific context and their vocation to do ministry where they're at. Our calling is a series of vocational assignments where God said, this is what you're doing, and so now this is where you do ministry. This is where you're involved, so now this is where you impact others. This is where your business is, and this is where your work is. This is where you now shine. Because I've had these conversations with so many leaders, like a Jake Connor, who is a fireman, who then says, I'm gonna use that ministry to now do Bible studies where I'm at. Or a Tammy Joyce, who owns The Blend, and says, the blend is more than just a coffee shop. This is a place for me to build relationships. This is a place for me to host groups and places like Grief Share, and she does ministry there. I've had conversations, we've had conversations and walked beside licensed ministers who say, hey, I'm gonna use my therapy and my, my ministry as a licensed therapist. We have people who've come up and who program lights at other churches, and they use that ministry to program lights and do their tech and do uh, social media and things like that. We have both vocational calls to ministry and ministry as vocation, using their vocation as ministry. You see, we've sent people from this church to other churches to be pastors, Graham Simmons being one of them. We have students who are in residencies in other locations and here, Richard Tysinger and Cat Fire and Leighton Story. We have several who are down at SWU, Southern Western University right now who are exploring this call to vocational ministry, but we also have people who are stepping into their vocation doing ministry. And in scripture, God calls all kinds of people. He calls many priests and prophets, but he also calls leaders and kings. He calls shepherds and fishermen, and he calls them to a deeper and greater mission and purpose. You see, David, he was not a priest or a prophet. David was a king and a shepherd, a musician. Gideon was called to lead an army. Haram, you probably don't even know who this guy is. Haram was not a pastor or a priest. He was a brilliant craftsman who was instructed and constructed all the furnishings in the temple. And God used that and God called him to do that. Deborah was a judge. Abraham was a patriarch. Joseph was a slave who became a ruler. These are assignments some, yes, in vocational ministry, but some in vocation as ministry. Places and roles to do God's work. Our calling 
comes by crisis and through process. Our calling comes by crisis and through process. Remember Luke's story said the first and most foremost thing that I've learned here is that it's a process. It doesn't come instantaneously. It's one step at a time. And we might not know what's next and we might not know what we're doing, but it's one step at a time. So I wanna look at Abram's call from God in Genesis chapter 12. We're in Genesis chapter 12, verses four through nine. And this is Abram's call when God says, hey, I'm gonna make you a great nation. God says, I'm gonna bless you and I will make you a great name and you will be a blessing to everybody. We read this a few weeks ago. And so this is Abram's response in Genesis chapter 12, verse four. It says, so Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran and he took his wife, Sarah, and his nephew, Lot, and all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and there they arrived. Step one, they go to the land of Canaan and they arrive. Abram tra traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem. At the time of the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on to the hills east of Bethel, number two, step two, and pitched his tent. With Bethel on his west and Ai on his east, there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev, stage three, step three. We notice that God calls Abram and it comes to him by crisis and through process and Abram travels by stages. God doesn't say, hey, here's everything that is ahead of you. Here's all the process that's gonna happen. God continues actually three times in Genesis, reiterates his call to Abram. It is by process, one step at a time, one faith step at a time. And yet, Abram builds altars to remember this, to recall this. In a span of two verses, Abram builds two altars. He makes a visible representation of an invisible calling. Because we tend to want the whole process. We tend to want to see everything in front of us. And we have tendencies to rationalize as we go through this process. Is that really God? Did I really hear his voice? Was that actually him? Or was I just making things up? We tend to rationalize and we're tempted to kind of quit this process because it becomes difficult to quit this process because we actually have to trust God each step. We have the temptation to rationalize. Does God really want me to do this? Because I'm ill-equipped and I don't know what I'm doing and I'm ill-prepared and there's nothing that I can offer. So why in the world would God call me to this? And we begin to tempt that there's no way that this is true. And so what does Abram do? He builds altars to remember. A visible representation of an invisible calling. And sometimes that's what we gotta do. And it might not be as crucial to journal every single thing, but I've never met a person who journals more than Luke Burleson right there. Dude writes everything down. And he refers back to it all the time. Every time I meet with Luke, he pops out his journal and he's like, here, let me ask you some questions. It's a beautiful thing to look backwards and remember God's faithfulness 
and to reiterate and remind ourselves that yes, this is God's voice and yes, he has called me. So what physical representation can you place before you so that you are not tempted to rationalize and step away when an obstacle comes in place? Because there's a lot. We're tempted to say, hey, I'm too old or I'm too young. If for some reason you thought you were too old to say yes to God's call in your life, think again. Because Abram at 99 just was getting started. And if you think you are too young to answer God's call in your life and to do ministry, think again. Because at the age of eight, God called Josiah to be king. In teenage years, God called fishermen to lead the entire movement of his kingdom. You are not too old and you are not too young. God has done it and he can do it again. He is the same God. And if you sit here and you're, you're like, man, I have no idea. I'm insecure. I'm uncertain. This terrifies me. I can't do this. Let me recall to you the story of Gideon and God's call on his life, who when the Israelites were surrounded by their enemies, when the Israelites were surrounded and God calls Gideon, guess where he's at? He is threshing wheat in a wine press. Translated, he is scared to death. God finds us regularly in these places, doesn't he? Terrified of what's next. I don't know if I got it. I don't think I can handle it. I don't think I'm equipped. God, there's nothing that you can possibly do through me because I don't have it. And when Gideon pleads, he says, please, Lord, not me, because not only is my clan the weakest, I am the weakest in my clan. I am the furthest from any choice you should ever make. The angel of the Lord chooses the most insecure coward. And instead of console him, he calls him. He calls him. It's as if Paul remembers this story when he pens 1 Corinthians but God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Do not think for a second that God can't call you or use you because of your inability or your unequippedness. Don't think for a second that you have no calling on your life because you are ill-equipped, because you can't do it. Because guess what? Those are the exact kind of people that God calls. And Gideon, not only does God call Gideon, but he says, you have too many people in your army. I'm gonna reduce it. I'm gonna make you even less than. And through Gideon, 300 men defeat an army of 135,000. I think the odds stacked against us are not that bad. One of the cool things I love about this story is the angel's greeting to Gideon in his cowardness. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. What God calls us to do does not rest on our shoulders alone. Yes, we are ill-equipped. Yes. I am less than, yes, I am unprepared most of the time. But God is with you, mighty warrior. Why in the world, why choose unqualified, ill-equipped, unlearned people? 
It's cliche for sure, but it rings true. God doesn't call the qualified, he qualifies the called. You can take that to the bank. It's in every page, every single page and story, and he can do that through you too. Your insecurity, your uncertainty, your ill-equipped, your unpreparedness does not ever exclude you from God calling you and using you, ever. And you might say, I have no idea. What in the world would I do, Stephen? I don't have a clue what I would do in my vocation. I don't have a clue what my next step would be. I don't have a clue where I would go or how I would respond to this. Let me show you. In Abram's call, when he was called, it came down to two words that captured this whole movement, this whole process. Abram left. He just left. He did what God asked him to do. He didn't know where he was going. I mean, it's pretty incredible. It's one thing to leave. It's quite another to not know a clue where you're going. I mean, who does this? <laughs> because it's more than a vocation or a work or a destination. It comes down to this reality that Abram trusted God and had faith he would lead him every step. Hebrews chapter 11 by faith, Abram, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in a promised land like a stranger. He was looking forward to the city of foundations whose architect and builder is God, to be called by God. Yes, is about vocation as ministry, but it's even much more than a particular job or a particular place. Answering the call to God means abandoning yourself to God. It means stepping out of faith and saying, I completely trust you. It's a reorientation of our direction, of our priorities, of our purpose. It's a complete change in our ambition. It's a rebirth of our mission. It is simply saying, I trust God and I'm gonna take that next step wherever it may lead. A monk by the name of Thomas Merton penned these words as a prayer that I feel are quite frequently how I may feel. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I know, really know myself. And the fact that I think I'm following you does not actually mean I am doing so but I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that that desire in all that I am doing, I hope that I never lose that desire or do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are with me and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. What if like Abraham, we just went ahead and left? We just went ahead and stepped out. We just went ahead and said, yes, whatever it may be. I don't know what it might be and I don't have a clue where I'm going. And I'm ill-equipped and I'm ill-prepared, but I'm just gonna go ahead and take the step. God will lead you.
That's why it's crucial to have community. Like Pastor Jason preached on last week, it's why it's crucial to have people come alongside you, to have people with you. That's why it's crucial that Luke had not only myself, but also had Richard to process with this with. And as beautiful as his story is, what is more beautiful is the part that you don't even know is the part where he has actually come alongside and mentored other students in this process too. Who when called upon to pray at camp, he came beside them and said, let's do this together. Kelly and I, each year, we kind of debrief the year. We take a date to kind of just, hey, how are we doing? And this whole date is simply focused on how are we doing in this life? How are we doing in this call? How are we doing in our response to God's call in our life? And are we still on the right path? And are we still pursuing this correctly? Maybe that's something that you ought to do. If you feel a stirring in this calling and you know God's making you, calling you deeper into a greater purpose, maybe then you sit down with your spouse and say, hey, let's, let's reorient ourselves each year and let's kind of navigate, is this how we're doing? And lastly and foremost, our calling is to the person of Jesus. The core of our calling, yes, vocational, yes, to do ministry, but the core, our first, middle, and last calling is not to a place or a position. It is to a person, the person of Jesus Christ. It's about an identity in him. And from that, God forms all the other things. Genesis chapter 17, when God reiterates and reminds Abraham of his call, this is what he says. As for me, this is my covenant with you. I will be the father of many, you will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. This whole land of Canaan where you now reside as a foreigner, I will give you, I will give you as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you, and I will be their God. This is not some kind of vocational transaction or a job description or a to-do list. In fact, God promises to do the whole thing. I have made, I will make, I will make, I will establish, I will give, I will be. God doesn't call Abraham just to a job. He calls him to an identity in him. He calls him and tells him who he is. You are a father. And he gives him a new name, Abraham. And it transforms everything. God's call to Abraham was established and founded upon an identity in him. And this is where you are at. This is where we are at. Yes, I might not know where I'm gonna go. I might not know what's next. I don't have a clue how I can do ministry in my vocation or where I'm at, but God calls you and says, I am with you, mighty warrior. And your identity and what you do is everything in your life is centered on Jesus and our community is centered on Jesus moving towards him. Our calling is first foremost to the person of Jesus. 
because any other calling, any other thing falls less than and crumbles underneath the weight. But that foundation establishes who we are and our direction. So what do we do? Maybe you sit here and you're like, what do I do? How do I use this to do ministry, to further his kingdom? Do I really have a calling? Is God stirring in you? In all of scripture and history, there's no calling that rivals the calling of Mary. The spirit of God reveals through Mary, I think a response that is very befitting for us. This is what Mary says. Behold, the bond slave of the Lord. May it be done to me according to your word. This profound orientation to the reality of Jesus as Lord in our lives. She shows what this preemptive obedience looks like without knowing where is next what next step to take without knowing what all is ahead of her, what not knowing with all the process that lays before her, she gives this unconditional yes to whatever, whoever, whenever, however, why ever of the will of God. This yes response is not just a momentary yes, it's a yes response of a lifetime that says, wherever you lead me, God, I will say yes. Whatever happens, I will say yes. No matter how equipped or how fearful or how unprepared I am, I will say yes, and I will simply take the step. No matter what. Maybe now is the time for us to learn that saying, where we are. To learn that yes, whatever may lie ahead, one step at a time, through a process. There's a song with some lyrics that I wanna read that help me as well in times of this calling that have little to do with what I do, but more to do with my identity. God sees a lot in me. He sees someone no one else can see. He sees not what I am, but what I can become. He sees a lot in me. And wherever you are this morning, Whether you've come in here beaten down, feeling like a coward, like Gideon, scared to death, or maybe you come in here and full of confidence, wherever you are, whoever you are, no matter what you've done in your life, if you are a believer, God calls you and he sees you. He sees a lot in you. He sees, he sees not who you are, but who you can become through him. He sees someone that no one else can see. He sees you. He sees a lot in you. 
And I think in this moment, maybe he is calling some. It's time to step out, whatever that may be. It's time to use your place. It's time to use your vocation. It's time to use who I am in you. It's time to use your identity to use and transform the lives around you to use this as ministry. So we're gonna do something that I don't ever do. And I've really never done here. A response. And if God is stirring in you, And he's saying, it's time for you to respond. It's time for you to answer this call. Uh, maybe it's vocational, but maybe it's, maybe it's a vocational call to ministry, but maybe it's just where you're at. Maybe it's your position and your, your, your workplace to use that as ministry. Maybe it's simple response to say, yes, God, whatever it may be, I'm answering yes. And I'm going to call, I'm going, I'm answering this call to a deeper and greater purpose and mission. If that's you this morning, I want you to take the first step right now. And I want you to be willing to just stand. You just say, stand where you are and say, yes, Lord, that's me. I'll say yes. I'll say yes to my next step. I'll say yes to use my vocation as ministry. I'll say yes to use my position and my role to shine where I'm at. And it may not know what's next. And I may, I may not know or feel equipped or prepared, but I'm gonna say yes. To answering God's call in my life and using whatever and wherever I am to further his kingdom and to shine. If that's you, don't hesitate. You stand, take that first step. Praise God. You are the called. And this is your calling. This is your purpose and your mission. You are a mighty warrior. The Lord is with you and he sees a lot in you. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Jesus, you are so faithful and you are so good. God, I pray that you would help us to step out in faith I pray that you would remind us of our identity in you, that you would remind us of who our foundation is. I pray that you would walk beside us and walk in us and through us. Lord, help us to use where we are at as a place to do ministry and to shine to those around us like stars in the sky. It is in your precious, holy, and sufficient name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening to the Mount Zion Wesleyan Church podcast. We hope this message has inspired you to take a next step in your walk with Jesus. For more messages or to watch our full worship gathering on demand, visit us online at mountzionwesleyan.com.